today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Let's talk about Brexit. Uh, boy, this, this has been painful for us to watch on this side of the pond. You can imagine what it's like to have to go through this uh, in the UK. Um, let's hear, uh, we got a clip here from, uh, I believe, Prime Minister Theresa May uh, talking about options and, and, and hopefully trying to uh, convince everyone that an extension, uh, including uh, the EU, uh, to, to negotiate this is the way to go. I'm here today to discuss with fellow leaders our request for a short extension of Article 50 to the end of June. Uh, As I said yesterday, this delay is a matter of personal regret to me, but a short extension would give Parliament the time to make a final choice that delivers on the result of the referendum. All right. uh, How are they going to agree to something now or at the end of June that they haven't been able to agree on to this point? I don't know. Let's bring in Dr. Andrew Glencross, Senior Lecturer, Department of Political uh, Politics and International Relations, Aston University in Birmingham, and is with us now. Andrew, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Hi, Scott. So where are we now? Give us an update. I understand the EU has, has granted the extension. Is that correct? I believe that's the case, although this is moving so fast, and at the same time, as you were saying, it's very painful. In fact, you could describe it as political torture. So uh, what happens now? Okay, so this has been, they've been granted an extension. The EU says uh, you can have till the end of June, but I understand the EU wanted them to come up with uh, a deal before they agreed to that extension. Is that accurate? So the point is that the deal isn't just a concession, a freebie. It's conditional. So it's based on the UK actually getting its act together and agreeing on the existing withdrawal agreement, which was the outcome of those two years of negotiations for how to leave the EU. So uh, clarify that a bit for us. So the, the extension... Is on, is on condition that it ends in agreement or that there is one now or something that they're working on now? The, finally, Parliament, which has twice rejected the agreement that is on paper, all ready to go, and which would take effect then at, on the 29th of March, but which is now impossible because Parliament has rejected it twice, that Parliament would actually put forward a vote to approve that, and then the next months of the extension would be used to put in place the final bits of legislation Hmm. that would actually make that withdrawal agreement a reality, so that things would be smooth from a legal and political angle. So uh, when would this have to be done by? Uh, I'm guessing relatively soon, correct? Next week. So they have to come up with a deal next week, then they get to the 30th to finalize the details. They get extra time to basically put in place the whole legal apparatus that will take its time still to go through Parliament and various levels of scrutiny. But the idea is Parliament needs to give its backing as a whole body to the withdrawal treaty that is on the table and has been since basically the end of November. Uh, How confident are you that's going to happen, as you mentioned, considering it's already been turned down twice? Not at all confident. And in fact, this is really the moment where everything could unravel. 
Uh, could it unravel or could the rubber hit the road and it finally get traction here? Is this a case of everybody playing a timeline game and, and once we get to the 11th hour, finally clearer heads will prevail? Well, it's clear that Theresa May, her strategy has been to run the clock down. That's why it's quite galling for her to pretend that it's someone else's fault, that it's Parliament that has been difficult to deal with or the EU that has been blocking things in the past. It's on her, and yet she hasn't got a stable majority to depend on to get this piece of legislation passed. But thereafter, to actually conclude the different legal pieces of, um, of law that will need to be done and then start the actual trade talks for a new relationship, you need a stable majority, and she really doesn't have one. So it also could be postponing longer-term problems. So you're not confident that a lot can be done in the next week to move this forward? Not given the state of play within the Conservative Party and also in the Labour Party, who think that they could use that extra time to do a completely new deal, even though the EU says it doesn't want to reconsider any parts of that existing document. How is the EU responding to this after agreeing to give the extension? Well, finally, what we've seen is difficulties in maintaining a united front. The EU, during the actual negotiations, before that document was actually prepared, it was very united, very cohesive. But now, just a question of extending the time to get all of the documentation through Parliament, that has proven to be quite divisive. And so the EU is finding it very difficult to actually get a common position on whether or not to concede more time for the UK to decide. Is this just delaying a train wreck? It certainly looks that way, even if the government manages to get a majority for this deal to pass through Parliament, because, as I say, there's a lot of more pieces of legislation that would need to pass in order to make this a reality come the end of June, if that's when the extension goes up until. And so on that basis, we could still be heading towards this train crash. So as it stands right now, though, the European Union has given permission providing for the extension, providing they can give them something more concrete in a week. Well, they're discussing that right now, and Theresa May was asked in particular, apparently, during the talks today, what she would do if she didn't get the votes, and she avoided the question. So there are things that are still up in the air, because the final summit actually only concludes tomorrow when the actual legally binding declarations as to what was actually agreed is going to be published. Uh, is there, a, is there a, a logical solution here, or has this just come down to petty politics and one side is not going to let the other win? Well, politics makes all of this complicated, of course, because people want to take credit or avoid blame as necessary. And here the EU wants to avoid being seen as the bad guy, and Theresa May wants to blame Parliament rather than her own prime ministerial office as being responsible. But eventually something has to give, and the politics then can take us into a place where, against any common sense, we just don't get an agreement. Can this be blamed on, on Theresa May? Can this be blamed on one person? I mean, it, it seems every time she tries, she hits a brick wall. I mean, at what point does she say, that's it, I'm out? Well, she's certainly done a lot of trying, and she's nonetheless 
made a lot of mistakes in all of this, but of course her failures are also symptomatic of deeper problems within both of the main political parties, within also the constitutional setup that gives power to a number of different um, officials with untested, unclear rules of constitutional procedure, and therefore it seems as if the whole system wasn't really up to the task of making such a big consequential decision. So really what's happening today, uh, this really doesn't make it any easier for anybody. No, we are just dealing with long-standing difficulties and problems associated with untangling really complex elements of law and political integration in a way that the people who wanted to do that, the Brexiteers, said there wouldn't be any downsides. And the reality is there will be trade-offs. And yet, politically, no one wants to acknowledge, take ownership of those trade-offs. So we're in a very uncomfortable place. If there is some solidarity by uh, next week, uh, after the week, uh, does this look doable? It's doable to the degree that Parliament can coalesce around the existing deal and making it work with a view to also then concluding eventually a new trade arrangement. But that's a really big assumption to make, even if one vote passes next week, to actually have, given the state of both parties, a really divided cabinet, a loathed um, prime minister, how does that show keep on the road every time a new piece of legislation about EU withdrawal comes before the House of Commons. It's hard to imagine that being plain sailing. Uh, any chance of an election coming out of this or even another referendum? I know that uh, that May has said that uh, if nothing happens by the end of these deadlines, we just uh, Britain just exits without a deal. Certainly, Parliament would have to, in a sense, mount an insurrection against the Prime Minister, against the government, which would be unprecedented. But in constitutional terms, it's not impossible to then trigger a vote of no confidence and to start shifting the sands towards a general election or towards a procedure for setting up a new referendum, either to stay in the EU or to have an agreement to leave on the terms that the EU has, in a sense, presented. So it's really all up for grabs. Uh, if there is another election, pretty safe to say that another referendum would be on, on, on a platform somewhere, no? One would imagine, because both parties are internally divided. <laughs> Neither party has profited, in a sense, from their positions so far about Brexit. And the chances are we would otherwise have a minority government that would equally find it difficult to negotiate a new relationship with the EU. So a referendum would be very, very tempting for a number of reasons for those politicians. Can you see this ending with another election, another referendum, and a no Brexit? Uh, we're not leaving, we're staying in, we're going to keep it like it was. Well, the thing we know now is that the UK has burnt so many bridges, diplomatically speaking, that it's difficult to imagine the EU wanting the UK to stay right. on its current terms. The problem, though, is... I think there will be a bombshell development on the British side, but then that will still leave open to question what the EU does about that. Should there be a request for more time to organize a new referendum or even to actually stop, which is still legally possible, the whole withdrawal process? Uh, the only one that seems to be in a, good, in a good situation right now is the EU. Well, they 
are dismayed and in a sense there's a great deal of sorrow and pity about this whole episode but there are also a number of different challenges for the EU to deal with that actually Brexit doesn't look so important in contrast to say migration, Hmm. dealing with China, trade terms with Trump's USA and on that basis they want it to be over so that puts the EU in a much stronger position because they're doing a lot more than we are in the UK than just talking about Brexit. Uh, going back to when this there there was the actual rep, uh, uh, referendum, uh, obviously most did not think that they would uh, still be where we are today. Uh, that being said, has anyone given any thought to what life will be like after this is all settled? Well, the problem with that is it's hard to imagine it ever being settled yeah. in the medium term because what we've been talking about so far is just the withdrawal about how you separate assets to some degree, Mm. how you deal with the status of citizens who stay in the UK or are British citizens in the rest of the EU, those are actually relatively minor aspects compared with on what terms do you do trade, on what terms do you share judicial and security information. Those things are still to come. So there's Brexit fatigue now after two and a half years, but... The Brexit process is going to take years more. What about, may we come to the conclusion that it is easier to solve the problems with the UK remaining in the EU, what the concerns were about, uh, you know, uh, concentration of power coming out of Brussels and immigration and such. Would it have been easier to solve those issues within the EU that the UK was concerned about? It would have been easier to do that than, than try to break out of this deal and, and, and come up with something that both sides agree to. We certainly could see the politics and public opinion going full circle. And I think there's... Um, in the medium run, a real potential for that to occur. But you also just have to look across the channel to France, a similar-sized country with similar issues, concerns about centralization of power, German dominance in the EU, migration, and yet it's chosen very clearly to stay in the EU. Similar challenges, completely different solutions. How can anybody watch what's been going... How can anybody in Europe watch what's been going on with the UK and say, hey, that's a great idea. I want to do it too. Isn't it not easier just to fix the situation within the EU than it is to get out of it? Well, if you look at the really anti-EU political parties, a lot of them are finding it difficult to mobilize now on a let's leave the EU message. There's yeah. been a lot of backtracking about parties, for instance, in France saying that we should have a referendum on leaving the EU, that's no longer on the cards. In Sweden, the Swedish Democrats, very hostile to the EU, suggesting that Sweden should also have a referendum. They're backtracking on that now. So there's been a shift as well on how hostility to the EU is being expressed in these other countries, precisely because now we have the example of what it means to leave the EU or Hmm. try to do so, and it doesn't look like a good precedent. Uh, Yeah, learning from other people's lessons, I guess. Uh, So what do you anticipate happening in the next week, Andrew? I expect things to actually become pretty bad, and that Theresa May will try and put this again to Parliament, and that Parliament still won't accept the withdrawal agreement. And at that point, I think... Parliament itself is going to be in the position where it starts to actually try and undermine the government and that the UK government basically is set for real turmoil. 
All right, Dr. Andrew Glencross has been with us, Senior Lecturer, Department of Politics and International Relations, Aston University in Birmingham. Andrew, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated, and uh, good luck at sorting it all out. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure, though. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.